Hey, Alliance Church. Uh, coming to you with uh, a different kind of message uh, this weekend as we're not meeting uh, in person over the next couple weeks. Uh, we'll be doing our messages over video like this, uh, but they're going to be different. Um, I don't know about you, but I struggle uh, to stay focused on a video past five, seven minutes, let alone 20, 30 minutes uh, that a, a typical sermon would take. And so what I want to do uh, is lead us through some interactive type messages uh, where we're going to continue in the book of Mark. Uh, but there's going to be times when I say, okay, now stop and picture the scene. And what I actually want you to do, pause the video, stop and picture the scene. Where I'm going to say, imagine what it would be like to be in this person's shoes. Or imagine if you were part of the crowd or whatever these things may be. And I actually want you to stop the video, take time and imagine those things. You see, the Lord wants to speak to us through the story of Scripture. And the reason we're given so many cultural details is because of all of the memories and, and things that it would have brought up to the original listeners. They would have been able to think about, oh man, out by the Sea of Galilee, or when Jesus talked to this person or broke this cultural barrier. There would have been certain emotional things that rose up in them. And so what I want to do is as we go through this, really just kind of set the stage for you and the Lord to meet together through his word. Uh, for you to be able to pause and hear what he might be saying to you, to put yourself in the story and imagine what it would be like to be there, to see that thing, to hear that teaching, whatever it may be. So if you're alone, to just stop and do that uh, in the silence and stillness, uh, wherever you can find it. Uh, if you have a family with you, to be able to go through it together, to pause the video, to spend a minute trying to picture it, and to talk as a family and go, what would it have looked like? What would it have felt like? What would that have made you think when this happened? So I hope that makes sense. There's not going to be tons of teaching from my end. It's going to be more just trying to set the stage for you to be able to interact with scripture uh, as an individual or as a family. So let's get started. We're gonna continue through the book of Mark. We're in Mark chapter two, uh, starting in verse 13. Here's what we find. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, so first what I want you to do is to imagine the scene. Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee and, and he has already begun to build fame. There are masses that are starting to follow him. Dozens, scores, hundreds of people potentially at this point. Can you picture this? It's hard now because we follow people on Twitter. Back then, if you wanted to follow someone, you legitimately got up quit your job or at least push paused on it for a time and followed someone. So these crowds of people are following Jesus as he walks along by the sea, teaching them about the kingdom of God. Take a minute and just try to put yourself there. What could it have been like 
to walk along in this crowd following Jesus just to hear what he might say, just to see what he might do. Take a moment and try to just put yourself in that place. Okay, so you're a part of that crowd. You're walking with Jesus. He's teaching you things that maybe you've never heard of before. Maybe he's even healing some sick and showing some kingdom authority. And it says this, As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. It can be easy for us to miss this part uh, because tax collectors mean nothing to us. We mail our taxes in. We do it online. But a tax collector back then, Levi, who Jesus called to follow him, would have been one of the most hated men in all of the surrounding area. You see, as a tax collector, he would have been known for being a traitor, for siding with Rome instead of siding with the Israelites. He would have been known for cheating and robbing the people. Whether Levi himself actually did that or not, we're not told. But that's what tax collectors were known to do. They were thieves. They were told to get this amount of money for Rome and whatever above that they could collect for themselves, Rome said, go nuts. So they, they were a hated group of people. Imagine, again, put yourself there and whoever the most hated group of people is, treasonous people, people who had turned their back, they were faithless, they were untrustworthy, and Jesus looks at them and says, come, follow me, join the crowd. And then it actually says that Jesus goes and has dinner at Levi's house. This is craziness to them. And we're gonna see that they saw this as what is he doing? Jesus calls one of the most hated people in all of Israel to follow him. And here's what we learn later. Levi actually begins to go by the name Matthew. This hated man who Jesus calls to follow him goes through such an incredible transformation that God uses him to write the first gospel in our, new, in our New Testament. So again, I want you to stop and just picture the scene. Who would be that most hated group of people that Jesus broke cultural barriers to reach out to? That Jesus intentionally, in front of a crowd, invited to follow him? It, it got such a reaction from the people because they knew the kind of person Matthew was. Who would that person be today? Who would that person be in your mind? Stop and think about that for a moment. Let's continue on with the story. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, 
but sinners. What I want us to picture now is going to be something a little different. You see, the people that Jesus surrounded himself, as he said, was not the righteous, but the sinner. Jesus went and sat down with not just Matthew, the traitor, but all of his traitor friends. All of those hated people groups flocked to Jesus. The prostitutes and the sinners, those that were seen as less than, those that were known as the unsavory types who wouldn't be welcome here or there because of what they did, because of how they treated people, because of how they treated themselves. They flocked to Jesus. And Jesus sat and ate with them. Eating back then was a way to say, you and I are on the same level. I'm welcome with you and you're welcome with me. It, it, breaking bread together was this incredible act of humility on Jesus' part. And what he was doing was raising up tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners. And the religious did not like it. What is he doing? Doesn't he know who he's eating with? And Jesus said, the doctor doesn't come for the healthy, but for the sick. Jesus said, I have not come for the righteous, but for the sinners. So what I want us to do now is to stop for just a moment and imagine something. Most of us, when we think of church, we think of people that look like us. We think of pretty good people, people who know that especially when we're in a church building, we don't cuss, we don't say things like that, we don't make those jokes, whatever it might be. I want you to stop and imagine the kind of church that Jesus would have. It wasn't with the scribes and the Pharisees and all the people who had memorized the Old Testament. Jesus was surrounding himself with the low of the low, with those that were culturally unacceptable, with those who didn't know how to play by the rules, that with those who were sinners. This is who Jesus was building his church through. This is who Jesus was extending the kingdom to, inviting to follow him. So for this last part, what I want you to do is to stop and think, what would the church look like that Jesus would lead? I can almost guarantee you there wouldn't be many three-piece suits in this church. What would that group look like? Who would Jesus have surrounded himself with in Elkins, West Virginia? So take a moment and just ponder that. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to even imagine that kind of church. To have people coming in to hear the good news of the kingdom who the night before had sold themselves for money. People who had robbed their neighbors openly, now coming and sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing his life-transforming message and being offered life and invitation into the kingdom. It's hard for me to, to wrap my head around that because church has always been good people who are made a little bit better by Jesus. I want to focus on what the gospel really is and who the gospel is really for in these last words of Jesus. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Most of the time, our gospel is if you're good, Jesus can make you better. If you've got things figured out, Jesus is the cherry on top. What Jesus said 
is my gospel are for those who can't put one foot in front of the other. Those who don't know right from wrong. Those who personify sin and death. That's who my gospel is for. My gospel is powerful enough to bring life from death. We've talked about this before. His gospel is not a gospel of good to better, but dead to life, transformed, made into something unrecognizable. And that's what we see in the story of Levi. Transformed from Levi, the the traitor and tax collector, the cheat and robber, to Matthew, the apostle, the author of one of the books of scripture, the disciple maker, the kingdom citizen. This is the power of the gospel. I'm gonna close out uh, this video here and what I'm gonna challenge you to do uh, is simply to pray. Uh, As an individual, as a family, again, whatever your situation is, would you just pray and ask God to help you see the gospel rightly? If there are ways where you've been blinded, if there are ways where you've said that person is too far for the gospel, there's no way they could respond, would respond. If there are prejudices that you have, certain people are too unclean, they wouldn't be welcome here among us. If there is any of this in your heart, to simply offer it to the Lord. Probably first asking the Lord to reveal any of that that is in your heart. And then asking him, Lord, who would you have me extend the gospel to this week? We've talked before about your three people. Who are the three people that you would have me extend the gospel to? Pray specifically for them. And something I've been praying for myself that I would challenge you to pray as well is pray for hope. Hope that the gospel can change them. That it's not just words, that it's not just something that I have to do out of some sense of duty. But truly the Lord desires to move and transform the hearts and lives of those people. And I have been given the opportunity to partner with the King in taking this transformation gospel of the kingdom out into the world. So would you pray that now and may God bless you and give you opportunity as you go throughout this week.